Hello, City Church. Hey, hello to my folks in the video cafe. Hello to my folks watching online. I am glad to be with y'all this morning. Hey, we've been going through a first century letter from the Christian scriptures called Philippians. And Philippians talks a lot about joy. One of the things it does, it reveals an unexpected path to joy, and that's purpose. Purpose can provide meaning in life. Purpose can provide passion for life. Purpose can provide a sense of destiny and direction that you couldn't find otherwise. Purpose can give you joy. When you live your purpose, you find joy. And there's a difference between fun and joy. There's a difference between surviving and thriving. There's a difference between making a living and making a life. And purpose is that difference. So what does it mean to live with purpose? We've defined it in two parts. One, who God created you to be, and two, what God created you to do. So purpose is who God created you to be, and also being God cre- doing what God created you to do. And we exist to help you live your purpose. That's why we're here, and here's what we believe. You cannot truly experience joy in life if you don't discover and live your purpose. You can't experience that lasting joy if you don't discover and live your purpose. Because we all want joy. I haven't met anybody who wants to be miserable. Do I have any of my miserable people here today? Like, yeah, let me be miserable my whole life. Oscar the Grouch. That's the only person, right? Oscar the Grouch. We all want joy. But joy can be difficult when we struggle with our purpose. And I get it. I know what it feels like to struggle with our purpose. Because, okay, who am I and what am I supposed to do is a question people have been asking for all of eternity, for all of time. We start asking it when we're little kids. But when I was a little kid, it was a lot easier. I knew exactly who I was and what I wanted to do. I was going to be Superman. That was the plan. (laughs) And then I figured out that you can't just be Superman, especially if you don't have special powers. And then the next thought of what my purpose was, was almost equally ridiculous. I thought I was going to be a professional athlete, but it turns out that being unathletic and you can't shoot and you're too short to play power forward means that you can't really play basketball in the NBA. I found it was a rude awakening to find that out. So then there came the time where I go to college and I entered college undecided. And I felt like I stayed undecided, even though I eventually picked a major because I just drifted. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know who I wanted to become. I didn't know what everything, what everything would be in life, what I, what I was made for. But I did realize that I had to get a job. So when it came time to get a job, I started looking and looking, and I finally found a job and I started working. But here's the thing that's crazy. I found this job and I was kind of good at it. And I was like, oh, this is it. I found my purpose. It was that easy. That's awesome. I was good at this job and I started to make pretty good money. And I was on the fast track to leadership, and I got a couple of promotions, and I thought, okay, this is it. Money, success, this is everything I want. This is my purpose. And one day, I'm going to be a mega rich CEO, and then I'm going to find the joy that I'm looking for. Once I do that, that's when I'm going to find my joy. But it went downhill very fast. My company downsized. 
I moved, and I had a series of jobs where I tried and tried. I just couldn't find the same success. And each job, I was paid less and less and less. Until one day, I was unemployed. Unemployed for an entire year. And it was the year that my wife was pregnant with our first child. This wrecked me. See, I'd found my identity in my work. I was my work. And so when I wasn't successful there, when I wasn't doing what I thought I wanted to do, the achievement, the success, the promotions, the leadership, that's what I thought my purpose was. But it was all gone in one moment. I felt like a failure. I struggled with my value, with my worth. What am I even here to do? I was depressed. I was angry. I was bitter. I was miserable. I was without purpose, and it had stolen my joy. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you tried different paths to joy, like achievement and success, that haven't worked out for you. And achievement and success is one way we do try to find joy. We think if I'm good enough at work, if I'm good enough at school, and it just stays like that my whole life, then I'll have joy. But that's based on circumstances, and circumstances let you down. Maybe you look to relationships to find joy. You think, if I can find the right person and stay with the right person, or if I make the right family and my kids behave and do what they're supposed to do, then I can have joy. But you find yourself being let down by people and disappointed. Maybe you think, I know how to find joy. I'm going to live for today. I'm going to live for pleasure. I'm going to go to every party. I'm going to close down every bar. I'm going to hook up with every person that I can. I'm going to live for now, and that's how I'm going to find joy. But it's left you feeling empty. Some of you think, okay, I know how to find joy. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to do performance, and I'm going to follow all the rules. I'm going to follow all the steps. I'm not going to sin. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do everything right check all the boxes, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, and then I'll find joy. But you find yourself falling short again and again and again. These are all temporary paths to joy. And any joy based on your circumstances is temporary because your circumstances are not always good. So any joy based on your circumstances isn't going to last. So how can we find joy that lasts? What can we do for that? Well, in this letter, Philippians, that we've been going through this summer, the Apostle Paul who wrote it deals with it. And this is a guy who knows what he's talking about because he knows what it's like to have joy and he knows what it's like not to have joy. He knows what it's like to lose his purpose. See, Paul thought success and achievement and performance, that was his path to joy. He was going to be the best religious leader that he could possibly be. And so he kept all the laws. He did all of the rituals. He did all of the things. And all it did was leave him angry and violent. Until one day, in a miraculous, miraculous encounter, Paul met Jesus. And Paul's life changed. And he started to find joy in his purpose of knowing Jesus and telling other people about Jesus. And he wants us to experience that sense of joy that came from living out his purpose. And he wanted it for the Philippians as well. This is what he writes. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, 
not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, there's a big difference between working for salvation and working out your salvation. There's a difference between working for your salvation and working out your salvation. You can't work for your salvation. You just can't do it. It's a free gift, and it's given to you. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. It cannot be earned, so you can't work for your salvation. But you can work out of your salvation. See, from this free gift, you can live a fulfilling life. And that's what it means to work out your salvation. When you work out your salvation, you're fulfilling God's unique purpose for your life. We are saved from something, but we are also saved for something. And it's not just about eternal life, it's about a better life here and now. That's what it means to live out your salvation. It's not required for salvation. It's a benefit of salvation. And y'all have probably been in churches, or maybe if you haven't grown up in church, you've heard this, but you might have heard people tell you that you have to do certain things for your salvation, that it's not a free gift, that it comes with a little one of those, you had to read the terms and conditions, asterisks, right? Well, yeah, you have to believe, but then you have to do this. But then you have to do that. Well, if you do that, it means that you didn't really believe in the first place. That's not what we're talking about. You can't work for your salvation, but you can work out your salvation. And that means that you don't have to, it means you get to. You have the opportunity to live a fulfilling life. Paul continues, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the key verse for the whole Philippian series, this whole letter. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God works in you. He created you, and he don't make junk. You are a masterpiece. He created you on purpose for a purpose. That's what God did, and he will work in you. Do you believe that? You. Do you believe that? You. There's nobody that's disqualified. There's, oh, whoa. I'm getting into it. Whoa, okay. There's none of you that are disqualified. There's none of you that aren't good enough that he won't use you. He created you and he made you perfectly. When he created the heavens and the earth and the stars and everything that's beautiful, he said, it's not good enough and he made you. You are the best work that our creator has ever done. Nobody is disqualified for him to work in you. The next part is to will and to act. This is the what you do part of purpose, right? He created you to do something, and it's to, that's the to will and to act. So he's working in you to do only what you can do. Only what you can do. You are unique. You have gifts. You have talents. You have skills. You have passions. You have experiences that nobody else has, and that makes you unique. That's how he wants to use you. See, you are who you are for a reason. You are where you are for a reason. To will and to act. 
See, you're made to do what you do best, and that's how you live your purpose out. See, you were made for something, but because you were made for something, that also means there are some things you were not made for. Okay, let me give you an example in my house. Part of the job of being a good, dutiful husband is helping your wife put on jewelry. All right, husbands, yeah, okay, yep. Okay, but I'm terrible at it. I have these great big bear paws that's like, it's like all palm. There's like no finger here. And so she always has these tiny clasps of little jewelry of like necklaces and bracelets and I'm always struggling and she finally gets frustrated and says, so get, my, get our seven-year-old son. He can do this, that's fine. I'm not made for that. But when she needs somebody to get something off of a high shelf, you know who she calls. That's what I'm made for. Okay, now this isn't purpose, but it's just illustrating the point. We're made for some things and we're not made for other things. It's a silly example, but it's true. You're made for some things, not made for other things. Okay, so I love to stand up and talk to people. That's what I do. It's one of the things that I get excited about. It fires me up. And I'm such an extrovert. I'm the guy who makes friends with strangers on a plane. I'm that guy. Right, and I love standing up here and talking to people, but if you ask my mom to do that, she might pass out from anxiety in the wings before she gets out on stage. But you know what she can do? Ooh, she can bake. Oh, Lord, can she bake. And she's one of those people that doesn't know how to make for like a small group of people. She can only make food for an army. She can only do that, and it's delicious, and it's wonderful, and there's love baked into it. Sometimes an apple cobbler is a spiritual experience. <laughs> now, I can't bake. If you have me baking, we might want to have the ambulance ready to make sure that we treat anybody who gets sick. See, I'm not made to do that, right? It's different. We all have different purposes. We can all do different things. There's things that you are made for and there's things that you're not made to do. And so for some of you, you see a problem here, you're walking across campus, you see a hole in a wall or something, you go, I got my tools in the car, I'm gonna go patch that. I just can't live with that, I gotta fix it. But if I asked you to go to Kid City and hold babies, you would run away screaming. <laughs> because that's not what you're made to do. But there are other people who love to do that. They sign up for it. In fact, some of them are here among you today, right? They sign up to love on those babies. Now, for some of you, you love to help. You're like, I don't, I just want to go. I want to help set up. I want to get everything set. I want to create a great environment. And then when the people get there, I want to leave. <laughs> and then while the people are there, once they leave, I'll come back and I'll tear everything down. But don't make me talk to people, especially people with problems. <laughs> now, for some people, talking to people with problems is exactly what brings them joy. What gets you out of bed in the morning will keep other people in bed for the day and calling in sick. That's, we're all made for different things, and that's okay. We're all made for something, which means there's things we're made not for. And I want to tell you, it's okay not to be good at things. It's okay not to be good at everything. And I want to let you off the hook. You don't have to do everything. In fact, you shouldn't do everything. You're made for something. There are things that only you can do. And you are an important part of God's plan to make the world better and for more people to know him. You're a critical part of it. You're a puzzle piece 
in this larger puzzle. There's a U-shaped hole in the universe. And when you find that place for you, when you start doing that, that's what it means to live your purpose. And when you live your purpose, you find significance. You find a sense of destiny. And you're equipped to do it already. God has created you this way to do those things. And you'll experience joy. But there's a lot of different layers and a lot of different kinds of purpose. And Paul goes on to write about the big one in order to fulfill, in order to fulfill his good purpose. When you discover your purpose and live it out, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're a part of God's big story. And we are important parts to Jesus' movement here on the earth. We're his hands and feet here, and he left us here to do some good in the world and not to make it worse. He left us here to love people, and that's why we're here. We're important parts of it. And when you live your purpose, you're advancing God's plan for all of creation that started before all of time. That's what you're doing when you live your purpose. You're fulfilling God's purpose. So with you being who you were created to be and doing what you were created to do, you will find joy. It's not just serving your purpose. When you serve God's purpose, you find joy and your purposes are aligned. It's almost like he intended it like that. Now, if you don't do it, I've had people ask me when I talk about purpose, well, what if I don't do my part? Is God going to fail? If I don't do my part, what's going to happen? It seems like it's going to happen with, or, with me or without me. And I would say to you, yes, it's going to happen with you or without you. His purposes will be fulfilled. And make no mistake about it, God wins in the end. Light triumphs over darkness. Love defeats hate. Good conquers evil. That's how this all ends. And so when you don't live your purpose, it's not that the whole thing isn't going to work. It's that you don't get the benefit of being on a winning team. You don't get the benefit of the joy of winning. Come on, San Antonio. Y'all have had a winning team here for like 25 years, the Spurs, right? And you know what it's like to win. And y'all are the worst when they don't win. It's like, well, well, I don't know. We only made it to the second round of the playoffs this year, whatever. <laughs> You're so used to winning. You want to be on a winning team. And when you don't live your purpose, you're sitting on the sidelines watching everybody else experience the joy. You're still on the winning team, but you're not being a part of it. So when you don't live your purpose, you miss out on the joy. That's a benefit. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's not going to have resistance. It doesn't mean that everything is figured out at that point. And so Paul goes on and when he writes, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that, you may become, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Okay, Paul starts this with do everything without grumbling or arguing. And this is kind of like, have you, you've had people do this to you. They go, hey, I'm going to tell you something, but don't be mad. Well, what does that mean? They're going to tell you something that's going to make you mad, right? And he's saying, okay, don't grumble or argue about this. So what do you think he's going to tell us? He's not saying that everything's going to be easy. He's not saying if things are hard. He's saying when things are hard. He's not saying if you get uncomfortable. He's saying when you get uncomfortable. 
He's not saying if you take a risk. He's saying when you take a risk. That's going to be part of it. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't argue. And that's how we become blameless and pure. And it continues the thought that Brent was talking about last, night, last week. Humility. Humility, when we're, when we're humble, when we humble ourselves like Jesus did, that's humility. That's what it means, and that's how we become blameless and pure. We become a servant like Jesus, right, who even though he was God, took on the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself. And so being a servant is a critical part of what it means to live your purpose. And so let me make that connection with Paul's metaphor that he uses if you want to shine, you have to serve. If you want to shine, you have to serve. He says become like shining stars in the sky. The only way to do that is if you serve. Now that's counterintuitive because that's not how we've been told to shine. We've been told that shining is standing in the spotlight for yourself. You've been told that when you shine, you get everybody else out of the picture because it's all about you. That's what it means to shine. But Jesus, they're doing it differently with Jesus. It's not about you. That's not it. If you want to shine, you have to serve. And here's the thing. The reason, the shine, the light, it's not our light. We're just reflecting Jesus' light. The shiniest star, the brightest light. One of the nicknames in Scripture for Jesus is light of the world. And when we serve, we're reflecting his light into a dark world that needs it so badly. And so if you want to shine, you have to serve, because when we serve, we're reflecting his light out into the world. That's how you shine. We're fulfilling his good purpose. Our purpose, when we live our purpose, we're serving, because living your purpose is always serving others. If you want to live for yourself, you don't need a purpose, because you already have one. It's you. But living your purpose is always about serving others. But he goes on and he tells us what's going to stop us from shining, what's going to stop us from reflecting Jesus' light. And he says, crooked and warped. These are the words that he uses. Warped, bent, and twisted. And when we're bent and twisted, it means we're crooked, we're warped, we're going in the wrong direction. We're going in a direction that we're not intended to go. And when we try to live our purpose without serving others, we're crooked. When we shine for ourselves, we're crooked and we're not reflecting the light. We're not reflecting the light that we were created to reflect. When we live our purpose, we are because when you live your purpose, you're serving. And when you live your purpose through serving, you're going to experience joy. If you want to shine, you have to serve. If you want to shine, you have to serve. And I want to talk to you more today about how you can serve and begin to experience the joy of living your purpose. Man, I know that it's hard. I know that it's difficult to figure it out because we might not have the tools. If you want to discover more about your unique purpose, sign up for the Purpose Path. City.church slash purpose. But this is an event that tries to help you take the next step in determining that unique purpose. Defining more about who you are who God created you to be, and what he created you to do. And it's the first step. When you complete the class, we don't mail you a certificate that says your purpose with all the steps lined out on it. It just helps you take the first step towards it. And if you want to do that, again, you can sign up at city.church purpose, or you can sign up at connection point after the service. 
Now, you don't have to have that specific direction, though, to serve. You can serve right now who you are. You are qualified to do it. We talked about it. He's working in you. He's working in you. So you can serve right now. You have to try things out, though. So often when I talk to people that are hesitant to serve, they say, well, I went one day and it just wasn't what I wanted. That's okay. You're probably not going to find your purpose in your first serving opportunity. You got to explore. You got to be discovered. Remember, we're made for something, which means we're made not to do other things, right? We're not made for some things. And so everything that you discover that you're not made for is one step closer to what you're made for. It's a process of elimination. So you have to try things out. And there are plenty of opportunities here at church to serve. And they're not always within this building. We have a lot of social action opportunities. We have a lot of ways to serve our city. But there are a lot of ways that you can serve and shine here. And I want to encourage you. You can find those at city.church slash serve, or you can go out to the pavilion, the connection point, and you can talk to people there. See, the church was created to equip people to live their purpose. That's why we're here, because the church is not a building, y'all. The church is a body. It's not a 501c3 tax organization. It's not a one hour on Sunday where we sing and some guy talks. You are the church. You are the church, and we are here to equip you to live your purpose because there are things that only you can do. Only you, because only you are in your situation. Only you have your experiences. Only you have your skills and your talents, and I want you to live that out. That's living your purpose because when you live your purpose, you find joy. But living your purpose is always going to be serving others, and there are so many opportunities here to do it. Because let me tell you what I've seen about people serving their purpose, living their purpose. A lot of times they think, okay, I'm gonna live my purpose. I'm gonna go start a nonprofit and move to India, right? I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna adopt 100 kids, right? I'm gonna go do this. And they look outwards. They look outwards for where their purpose is gonna be. But start right here because there's a community of people that love you. There's a bunch of people here that care for you, and this is a safe place for you to experiment and try to live your purpose. This is a safe space to figure out who you are, and you'll be surrounded by people that can not only call you out on your BS, you're surrounded by people who will cheer you along the way, who will say, good job, this is what you're made for, because you can't find purpose alone. We gotta find it together. And so I wanna encourage you to start serving. Just pick something, just do it. You know what's going to make you run screaming, so don't do that. (laughs) Do something that's a minimum bar. Do something that's not going to make you run screaming. And there's all those opportunities that you can do because we need you, because the church is you. These are not roles to fill. These are not roles to fill. If we wanted to fill roles, we could figure that out. I want you to live your purpose. You're not a cog in some machine. You're a part of Jesus' movement that began 2,000 years ago, and he created you on purpose, for a purpose, and it can start here and now today. If you want to shine, you got to serve. No matter who you are, you have that role. No matter who you are, you can serve in Jesus' movement, and we're here to help you do that. I just got back from Liberia, which is a country in West Africa that we support through a lot of our social action efforts. And I was there 
with a couple of teachers and somebody who was capturing people's stories. The teachers were training teachers to better educate these kids. And y'all, this school is amazing. I could talk for an hour and a half and show you every picture I took, but I won't do that. Because I met this extraordinary young man that illustrates a lot of what I'm talking about. His name is Thomas. Now, Thomas is originally from Guinea, which is a country that borders, Afri that borders Liberia, excuse me. And things were really bad with Thomas and his parents. So they sent him to live with his brother in Liberia. Now, here's the thing about Liberia. The unemployment rate is somewhere between 70 and 80%. Their current rate of inflation is 28%. They've been rocked by Ebola and civil war. It is a destabilized country in almost every sense of the word. There's corruption among the leaders. It is not a good place to live. So imagine what home was like for you to send your child to that. Imagine what home was like where that was more hopeful. So he went to live with his brother, but his brother was living hand to mouth. He worked a hard construction job that, that beat up his body and he only made enough money to pay for what they needed to eat that day. That's where Thomas lived, but in Liberia, you have to pay to go to school. And he didn't speak English. And all the people in Liberia speak English. You have to pay to go to school. There's no public school. So Thomas was trying to find his way and figure out what to do. And he got connected with our partner church, with Pastor Gianfi there. And their youth group there, they have a recording studio. And they like to make music, and that's the thing. So Thomas thought, well, okay, I'm getting to know these people. Maybe I can make music. Maybe I could sing. Maybe I could write songs. And so he started singing, and he started writing songs. And he was pretty good at it, but it just wasn't quite right. So they got Thomas in a tailor training program where he learned how to sew. He learned how to make shirts. He learned how to make dresses. He learned how to make bags, backpacks, all sorts of amazing things. And this just clicked for him. It was just the right thing. And so he started sewing and learning and sewing and learning and sewing and learning. They had to kick him out of there at the end of the day. And sewing and learning. And eventually he took over running the shop and having other people and teaching other people. And Thomas makes the most beautiful backpacks and bags that you can imagine. They're incredible. They call him the scientist because he continues to invent and he continues to try new things. And because of what he did, not only can he pay for his living expenses, not only is he able to pay his way through school, he can now pay his little brother's way to school. He's living his purpose and he's serving others. We can be more like Thomas. Thomas had so much pain and so much trauma, so much hurt, such a terrible situation that he was coming from, but he found his purpose. And he moved from surviving, literally just the food I need for this day, to thriving because he found his purpose. And he started to live it out. But he didn't find it on the first thing he did. If Thomas had given up, he'd still be writing songs that probably wouldn't be used and probably still in the same situation where he only has enough to feed himself for that day. He found his purpose. And he's experiencing joy. And let me tell you, seeing this guy when I got a chance to meet him, he truly has joy and he's starting to heal. The pain and trauma that he has in his life, living his purpose, serving others, is helping heal that pain and that trauma. He's dealing with it. And I'll bet you, you're probably carrying some pain in your trauma too. 
and it stands between you and your joy. That pain stands between you and your joy because it's what holds you back from living your purpose. It's the thing that tells me, I can't do this, I'm not good enough. It can't be me, I'm disqualified. That's your pain talking. And we numb the pain, we try to escape the pain. We do whatever we can, we binge watch, we binge scroll, we binge eat, we binge drink. We have addictions to control, pornography, alcohol, drugs, we try to do these things, right? We, we're so angry, we're depressed, we're carrying around all these wounds from people that did us wrong and we won't let go of them. Maybe we struggle with our mental health and we give up on ourselves, we stop taking care of ourselves, we stop taking our medicine, we stop going to counseling, we stop trying to get better. And when we don't deal with that pain, we can't find joy. You can't live your purpose if you're holding on to that pain. But when you start to live your purpose, you will find joy. And because living your purpose means serving, it means you're gonna be making this world a better place. You're gonna shine because you're reflecting Jesus' light to everyone, everywhere that you go. When you live your purpose, and I want you to heal. We want you to heal. This is a safe place to do that. But I want you to take the step and serve. Let me pray. Father, I am just thankful for all the people here. Father, I pray for anybody who doesn't yet believe, Father. I pray that you begin to stir faith. Father, begin to stir faith. Begin to stir questions. Begin to ask, who is this Jesus? What's going on? Can I actually have joy? Father, I pray that those who don't believe would come to believe, Father, at least explore who you are. And they can know they don't need to work for it, Father, they just need to believe. God, I pray for all the people here who are questioning, who are sitting in hurt, sitting in trauma, sitting in discontent and saying, ah, that's not me. Oh, I'm disqualified because of this. Oh, I got this thing that gets in the way. Oh, I've got the family, I've got the kids, I've got the husband, I've got the wife, I've got all these things to do. I can't live my purpose right now. Father, stop them from just surviving and help them thrive. It's not gonna take a bunch of hours a week, God. It's more about a change in how we see life. Father, I pray that you begin to surface purpose in every single person here today. And I pray that you give them the courage to take the first step. You don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to bite everything off. Just take one step towards purpose, Father. Because when we step towards purpose, we step towards joy. Father, and I see a harvest of joy, God, like plants or like trees raising up. And when we harvest that joy, when that joy comes to the surface, people are going to look at us and say, what are they doing different? I want to live with that joy. I want to live with that purpose. Father, give us the courage to pursue that today. And thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, who humbled himself so that we can follow his example.